Good morning. So whether you're in the room or whether you're online, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. And the question is this. How good are you at praying? Don't have to answer out loud. Seriously, how good are you at praying? I was tempted to kind of address that to, to people who acknowledge that they're followers of Jesus, um, but I didn't want to leave anybody out because I, what I love about our church and church in general is that it's a place where everybody can be to discover their next steps in following Jesus. And so you may not be a Christian yet, but I also want to ask you the question, you know, are you good at praying? How good are you? Because I actually do think that everybody prays. I, I do. Um, if we define prayer as appealing outside of ourselves for help or for wisdom, then I do think at some point everybody, whether they believe in, in God or not, pray. But the fact is that most of us are here because we're on a journey to follow Jesus. And so I do want to ask you how good you are at praying. Or perhaps you've given up. Perhaps you've gone, I'll never crack it. I'll never get it right. And so you find yourself not praying. You find yourself, now. I can do other things. And if you're one of those people who kind of go, well, I don't do as well as I could and I'm not going to try because I find myself not doing it, what are your reasons? Um, I've come across all sorts of reasons inside my own life and inside the lives of other people as to why people find themselves not praying. Perhaps you're one of those people who says, I don't pray because it doesn't seem to work. You know, I've been praying for this thing and it hasn't happened. And uh, I hear other people's amazing stories about prayer and so I don't pray because it doesn't seem to work. Perhaps you're one of those people who doesn't pray because you don't think you're very good at it. And you go, no, no, I'm not going to pray. Especially like the public thing, you know, when, when the pastor looks like he's going to ask somebody out loud, and you always go, oh, not me, not me. Yeah, perhaps you're one of those people, and you don't want to pray because you're not very good at it. And I mean, that may not just be publicly, that may be privately as well. I just don't do it because I'm not very good at it. Perhaps you are one of those people who goes, well, I don't, uh, find myself praying because I don't have enough time for it. I'm busy. There's a lot going on in my life. And, and I wish I could pray more, but I just don't have the time for it. Can I ask you the same question and rephrase it? I just want to change one word. Do you find yourself not breathing? Because... It doesn't seem to work. You know, when I'm running, <laughs> running, and my breathing is not working, you know, I'm like, <gasps> I don't decide, well, I'm, why don't I just stop? It's clearly not working, I'm just going to stop. Or perhaps, well, I'm going to stop this breathing thing because I'm really not very good at it. Or perhaps I don't have enough time for it. You see, to be a living human being is to breathe. I mean, that's, that's part of the package. There's a whole lot of things that to be a living human being you have to do. 
eat, and there was a whole, but one of them is breathing. And it's one of the ways you test to see whether a human being is still alive or not. You check if they're breathing, and if they're not, then the chances are they may not be alive. I want to suggest that to be a living Christian is to pray. I really do believe that, that to be a follower of Jesus, to be in relationship with God, the God of the universe, and for that to be a living, real relationship, prayer is like breathing. That it's just something you absolutely have to do if you're going to remain alive as a follower of Jesus. I mean, at this point, you could say, well, uh, you know, I, I've, I'm still a follower of Jesus and I'm not really good at praying, so I'm just gonna carry it on at the level I'm doing it because it is keeping me alive. But I wanna pause for a moment and remind you the, of the benefits of learning to breathe really well. There are genuine all kinds of benefits to not just being satisfied with your present level of breathing. Psychologists, psychiatrists, and doctors will tell you that if you want to change some of your patterns of anxiety or of stress or of inability to focus, one of the essential things that you can do is to learn to breathe better. And, and you will, it doesn't fix everything, but it certainly helps your brain to calm down. It does something to you when you learn to breathe better. It, it calms your nervous system and it does things for you. And so it's worth it. But if you want to win a marathon, learning to breathe better will help you win that marathon. It's not just about what's happening with your legs. It's also about what's happening in your lungs. If you want to, to dive into the ocean and explore the beauty and wonder of what goes on there, whether you free dive or whether you dive with, with scuba gear, if you learn to breathe well, you can stay down longer and you can experience beauty and wonder and all sorts of things. If you learn how to breathe well, you can go to higher altitudes than other human beings. There's all sorts of things that we as human beings can do to change how we live just by learning to breathe better. And I think the same thing about prayer. All of us pray. We have to. Because if to, to be a living Christian is to pray. And I wish there was a formula I mean, all of us like to be given the seven steps or the three keys. We, we do, we want it. But there isn't. There isn't a formula. And so over the next few weeks, we want to grapple here with, with prayer. And we want to spend time talking about individual, me as an individual praying. And that's what I want to do today. And then next week, Richard's going to grapple with the idea of praying together corporately and then Jacques is going to talk about what it means to, to, to partner with the Holy Spirit in how we pray. So rather than me this morning trying to give you a formula, I want us to look at the life of a person who was excellent in prayer. 
another human being who seemed to pray in a way that was better than me. In fact, it was better than any of us. And to explore how that person prayed. And how that person prayed alone. That person's name is Jesus. And so the first step in, in this journey is let's learn how to pray alone. Luke 18 verse one says this, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. I love the fact that Luke tells us why Jesus gives this parable. So if you're curious about what the parable is, it's that parable where, where Jesus portrays God as an unrighteous judge. It's one of those confusing parables. Is God unrighteous? No. Jesus is trying to do something for his disciples because he recognizes that humans give up on prayer. We do. We give up. Even the best, even the elite, even the 12 apostles, those who spent most time with Jesus, who were with him all the time for three solid years, apparently were tempted to give up praying for whatever reason. The reasons aren't given. But there's a very clear thing here that Jesus is saying, I want to teach you to pray and not give up. I want to teach you to breathe and not give up. Because if you stop breathing, you will die. I want to teach you to pray and not give up because if you give up praying, you will not be able to live as a follower of Jesus in any meaningful way. So I love it when Jesus makes these general statements and applies them to the 12, the, you know, the oaks who were actually the best of the best of the best. Because if they apply to them, they definitely apply to me. And so, so Jesus is saying to each of us as you go on this journey, I need us all to know that we should pray and not give up. So let's look at the life of Jesus and his praying alone. He's told us how important it is. He's told us that it's important for every single one of us to be persistent and to not give up. And so let's look to see where he goes. The first thing I notice is that Jesus prayed alone often. Jesus prayed alone often. In Luke chapter five, verse 16, we read this. Now, I, oh yes, you see, I, guys, I want to own the mistake on the screen. It says Luke 15, it shouldn't say that, it should say Luke five. It's not the person who made the slides fault, I gave them the wrong text. I'm just being honest here, okay? It's, it's Luke chapter five, verse 16. And it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So, so we've got this clear picture. Luke says, Jesus often went to lonely places and prayed. But you notice there's a but in front of it. Why? Well, because Luke is referencing what's going on. If you read the verses before, you will see that Jesus is becoming incredibly popular. 
A lot of demand is being placed on him. He's healing people, he's performing miracles, and he's teaching in a way that draws these massive crowds. He's saving the world. Surely he, he shouldn't give up time to go alone to pray. I mean, I know your job is important. I do know that. I don't want to undermine. Everybody has an important job, but your job is not to save the world. I just want to point that out to you. I have to point that out to myself sometimes. And Jesus is going in the middle of all of that, in the middle of, of fame and the middle of ministry opportunities all around him, thousands of people congregating around him. He, he says, this thing to pray alone is incredibly important. Luke could have put it anywhere, but he puts it here because he's trying to show that this, this priority of praying alone was something that Jesus put before a lot of other things. Here's one of the things it doesn't tell us. It doesn't say that he always did it for five hours or he always did it for an hour. There are occasions where it says he went off the whole night to do it. But it doesn't say here that, that he always took a long time to do it. I think we get stuck in that. We, we think that it always meant Jesus took hours, and I, don't, I think sometimes he took two minutes. Honestly, do. But he did it, often, alone. I want to confess something to you. I find it easier to pray in groups than alone. I do. Part of my personality, part of my ADD, part of my pattern of living. It's just there's a group of people around me, they keep me focused. Because <laughs> I can't wander off when there's people around me. And so it's, it's, it's a challenge for me to, I have to work harder in learning to pray on my own than I do in a group of people. But I have to be like Jesus, I have to do it, and I have to do it often. Jesus prayed alone, often. But here's something else I see about Jesus' individual prayer life, something I think every one of us needs to learn from. Jesus prayed special prayers for special reasons. I don't know about you, but if you're not good at consistently praying on your own, do you feel a little bit guilty when you need to pray something big about something big? I, I sometimes feel a little bit hypocritical. And well, I haven't really talked to God properly for ages and ages, but now this big thing is happening, and so I better talk about it to God. And, and, and honestly, sometimes I feel like I, I I'm not worth doing it because I haven't done the other stuff well. But that's not what seems to be the pattern of Jesus. Jesus recognizes that there are moments in our lives where there are bigger things either going on in our own lives or in the lives of other people or the world around us that needs us to go off and do some stuff with God that's special, that's beyond the norm. Luke 6, verse 12, one of those days Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. He was caught up again in feeding the 5,000 and doing all of these big things. Big things were going on. And Jesus said, I need to take special time to do this 
especially. Please don't ever say to yourself that I shouldn't do that kind of praying because I haven't do, done that kind of praying. It's a little bit like a kid coming to dad at school and saying, Dad, I've got this massive project. Please, will you help me? And then thinking, well, I haven't asked dad to help me with my other homework. And so I shouldn't ask him to help me with a big project. Don't fall into that trap. Do both, but don't let the one stop you, not doing the one stop you from doing the other. Jesus himself had those moments where he acknowledged, even as the God of the universe, that he needed a special time to be with his father, to do something special because something big was happening. Here's another thing I notice about Jesus praying alone, is that Jesus let people see him pray. Jesus let people see him pray. Now I know that Jesus also taught that we shouldn't do our righteous acts before people. You know? and, and so often we go, oh, should other people see me pray? Well, what Jesus is addressing is an attitude inside our hearts. He's going, don't do this stuff to show off. But if you do it in front of other people, that's fine. Because sometimes you need to talk to God in a moment and you can't go off on your own. And it's, it's, it's clear to see that Jesus let other people watch him pray. You know how magicians don't want us to see their tricks because then they get thrown out of the magic circle, I guess. I don't know. Because they gave the secret away. See, Jesus is not like that. He, he, he's not like that. He, this thing that he's doing isn't some secret that he wants to hide. It's something that he wants us all to know. And it's obvious from the life of the disciples that they would often see Jesus praying when he was doing his alone praying. They often saw him pray when he was doing his public stuff as well. But Luke 11 verse one says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. What are they? They're recognizing something in Jesus that made them want to pray. They recognized something in the way, in the way Jesus, you see, I don't really know what it was, but they saw something going on there with Jesus that this, he must teach us to pray. Now, I, 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 although Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer, it wasn't a formula that he was giving them. He wasn't saying, say this prayer, and it, that's how you pray. He was saying, when you pray, say. And, and he gives them a whole lot of principles about what prayer should be rather than this fixed, rote thing. The only way I can compare it in my own life is to a Bible study that I used to belong to that was run by the Prayer Union for Israel. Colleen and I were dating, and so I guess I was trying to impress her, and so we went to this Bible study together, run by a group called the Prayer Union for Israel. And there were two old Salvation Army colonels in that Bible study. And they were both in their 80s, and they used to come to Bible study in suits, you know, dressed really well and they prayed in King James English. 
I mean, it was amazing. And I used to think, I wish I could pray like them. I didn't want to learn to pray in King James English because if I prayed in King James English, it would just be weird. I mean, if I stood up here and started praying King James English, let's be honest, most of you would go, most of you go, is there something wrong with John? You would, wouldn't you? Why isn't he praying in a way that we can understand? Why isn't he praying in a way that he can understand? It wasn't, the, it wasn't that they were using King James English. It, 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 it was that sense that they are using their native language to talk to God. That's how they always talk to God and about God. And, and those prayers just did something to me to make me go, I want to pray better. And I think that's what's happening with Jesus. And I want to suggest for those of you who are afraid to let other people see and hear you pray, try not to be. Try not to be. Parents, let your children hear you pray. Not only when you're doing the big fancy words, but when you're doing the, God help me, otherwise I'm in real trouble here. Because it it does something when we see individuals praying. It did something to those apostles and it should do something for us as well. We should let other people see us pray when it's appropriate. The next thing that I see so clearly about Jesus' prayers is this, that his prayers were very influential. His prayers were very influential. Now, we've already established that his prayers affected the people around him, those people that were listening. Bear in mind that some people that listened to Jesus' prayers got really angry with him. It wasn't always a nice reaction, you know. Some folks heard him pray and wanted to kill him. Other people heard him pray and wanted to pray. So, so they were very influential with humans, but they were also really influential with God. And we know that because we read these stories of how Jesus prayed something and then something happened. But most influence in prayer is actually invisible. We don't see it. And so we think we've prayed and nothing has happened that we can see, therefore nothing has happened. And we are wrong. The Bible teaches us that when we pray, when we speak to God, things happen in the invisible spiritual world. And, and often because we don't see it, we think it's not happening. Because we can't see a result, we think it's not happening. But Jesus prayed prayers to which the specific request that he gave wasn't actually met. We'll get there. And so we go, well, you see, if I didn't get the, the million rand that I asked God for, my prayers have not done anything. But scripture teaches us that when we speak to God, things happen. When we don't see them, we tempted to go, my prayers don't make a difference. But they do. Not according to me, according to God's word. 
To pray is to be influential in the spiritual world. Whether it's Jesus praying or it's you and I praying, it's influential in the spiritual world, even when we can't see it. Here's one of my very favorite things that I've discovered about Jesus' prayers on his own that has helped me. Jesus is praying on his own is often very human. Jesus' prayers, when he's praying on his own, are often very human. I want to give you an example. It's an example of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be betrayed. All three of the synoptic gospels I just threw that big word in there. Matthew, Mark, Luke are gospels that line up with each other. They're they synoptic gospels. All three of them record the story, and each of them give different details. And so I'd love you to go and read all of them so that you can see the fullness of this prayer. But I've chosen to, to go to Luke on this one. Begins like this, Luke 22, 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Okay, you see what's happening there? As usual. So Jesus had been in Jerusalem for a while. We don't know exactly how long, but obviously Mount of Olives had been a place where they'd gotten used to Jesus going to pray. So he goes to Mount of Olives as usual, and his disciples followed him, which is probably also usual. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I just want you to listen to that prayer. This is God praying. This is Jesus praying. How often have you prayed, oh Lord, please let this happen if it's your will? I've got to confess, I sometimes pray that prayer in the form of a cop-out. And sometimes when I hear other people praying it, I go, oh, they're using the cop-out clause. My prayers aren't going to work now. Well, I don't think they are. And so I put in that, your will, not mine. It's not a cop-out. It's not a cop-out because Jesus used it. What is it? It's a grappling. It's a showing us that the primary reason for praying isn't so that I can get stuff out of God. The primary reason for me praying isn't so that I can get God to do the things I want him to do or sort my life out or fix me or any of that. The primary reason to pray is to grow my relationship with God to help me breathe. And whenever we're in a relationship, there's gotta be a back and forth. And this is Jesus just being honest with his father going, I know what's ahead of me. I know what's coming. I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to die. But I know that this isn't about me. It's about us. It's about you and I, Father. It's about everybody. And so I love how human this prayer is, where Jesus is going, ah, not my will, but yours 
Because Jesus is showing that prayer is about a relationship with God, not about a transaction. After he prays this, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Now, we don't know what that looked like. Whether it was actually an angel that the other guys saw, I don't think it was, because usually when people see angels, they start falling over. I think, I think, that this is Jesus telling them afterwards what was going on. He's, he talked to them about it. He said, and at this point, as I was praying this prayer, an angel came and comforted me, strengthened me, and being in anguish. You know, how often have you judged yourself? When you've asked God to do something, he's helped you, He sent an angel, he's answered it, and then two seconds later, you like panicking again. Anybody share this thing with me? All of us, even Jesus. Do you see how prayer isn't some magical thing? It's about human beings talking to the God of the universe in all their struggles, in all their difficulties. Because after seeing an angel, he went back to being in anguish. He prayed more earnestly. He didn't say, well, that didn't work. He prayed harder. And it says his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Why? Because he wasn't really praying that this thing wouldn't happen. Because he knew it had to happen. What was he praying? He was praying, give me the strength to do this. Even an angel hasn't really helped me. I need strength. Then he rose from prayer and went back to his disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted with sorrow. How do I know that Jesus' prayer in that moment worked to bring him and his father closer together? It is a hint here. Seriously, if that had happened to you and you came back and your buddies were sleeping, how would you react? My goodness me. You'd give it to them. Seriously, oh, seriously. In fact, in, in one of the accounts, Jesus says to them, hey, couldn't you just have stayed awake? But his response isn't to be judgmental. His response isn't to, 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 to burn them. His, his response isn't to condemn them. What is his response? Guys, get praying so that you don't fall into temptation. Guys, my heart is about you. You see, I know that prayer worked because, because Jesus came out of that prayer going, what happens next is not about me. It's about God. It's about my Father and me as the Savior of the world. And we see that because his biggest concern isn't that his disciples should get it right. His biggest concern is, guys, you're going to also need to pray because you're also going to go through some hectic stuff. You see, from this prayer, I come to understand this, that not even God knows the secret formula for perfect prayer. Not even God knows the secret formula for perfect prayer. I'm sorry if that sounds blasphemous. It's not. I'll tell you why. Because there isn't a formula for perfect prayer. There is no formula. It says if you do it like this, it will be perfect. Why? Because prayer is about a relationship. It's not about a transaction. 
It's about two hearts being connected to each other. And it, it looks different for every single one of us because every single one of us is different. And so there is no secret formula that you can discover that will make you pray the perfect prayers. There is just prayer. And as we take our journey as a church family and as individuals in prayer, as you've listened to what I've said, there's one thing I want to end with, and it's this. Refuse to stop breathing. Please refuse to stop breathing. In fact, take your breathing up a notch. Learn how to breathe better. Because if you learn how to breathe better, you will be a healthier human being. You really will. It's not gonna fix all your problems, but it'll make you a better human being. It'll make you a fitter human being. You'll be able to go further, and you'll be able to see things that other people don't get to see because you've learned how to breathe better. Don't believe me? I want to show you a real example of somebody who learned how to breathe better and ended up seeing this. That's a picture of a free diver with a whale shark. That whale shark is probably four or five meters long, maybe even longer than that. It's got a giant mouth that's two meters wide. It's amazing. I've only ever seen pictures of it. Why? Because they haven't learned how to breathe like that person has. So that person wanted to see the wonders of the ocean and what did they do? They learned to breathe in a certain way and they've ended up seeing things that I will never see because they learned how to breathe. Refuse to stop praying. I don't know where you are in your prayer journey, but I want to tell you this, that if you learn to pray better, if you learn to, to, to look at how Jesus prayed and begin to, to do that, if you refuse to stop praying and say, I'm going to get better at this, you will live a healthier Christian life. You will see more of God. You will experience things that you haven't experienced before. You will know God in a way you've never known him before. You will see things that other people will come to you and say, teach us how to do that because we want to see this stuff. And this isn't something you do because you, you get to have a certain classification in your Christian life. You're doing it already. If you're a living Christian, you are praying already. Get better at it. Ask God to show you what steps you can take to do this thing that you do every day even badly, and say, Jesus, just teach me how to do it a little bit better. Because the, the better I do it, the more I practice it, the more I, I do it with you, the, f the more things I will see and know and experience that, that will cause me to wonder and understand you better and love you more. So I... Somebody at the last service said to me, oh, I wish you'd ended with an altar call. My, I don't want to end with, end with an altar call. I want to end with something that seems really weird. I want to end with taking up the offering. And I'll tell you why. Because this sermon isn't about what we do here. It's a sermon about what we do out there. 
It's a sermon about what we do every day as God's people. And so I want to give you something to hook your reminder to, to refuse to stop praying this week. I want to hook it to money. So we're going to take up an offering now, which is something we should do in church. But for the rest of the week, you're going to be handling money. And some of you, if you're old like me, are going to be handling actual physical notes and coins. I know the young people laugh at us. Some of you are going to be doing it on your computer. Some of you are going to do it with a piece of plastic. Some of you will even do it with your watch or your phone. And so here's what I want us all to do this coming week. Whenever we interact with money, whether we physically handle it or we think about it, remember to pray. Take that moment. So if you're doing it on the internet and you're on your own, you can take a bit of a longer time. If you're at the till at, at, a, at a shop, you, you, it's going to be weird because the queue will back up. So just do it quietly, quickly on your own. Because prayer isn't something that's special in God's kingdom. It's something that keeps us alive. It's something we do every day. And so, Lord, as we bring our offerings to you now, as we interact with a QR code, or as we drop money in boxes, or as we go home and, and do internet offering, Lord, help us to take this very ordinary thing of money, something we do every day, Help us to use it to remember that, that praying is something that Christians do every day. That is completely normal. We can't do without it. Lord, help us to refuse to stop praying. Lord, forgive us for our excuses. And Lord, teach us to pray and never give up. In Jesus' name, amen.